David Arquette, the world, I, I'm going to say it again because I don't believe it. David Arquette is the world champion. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. We ain't here to play. Hold one. Andre. Who are you to, to, to doubt El Dandy? Because this guy's a serious professional. I will take your mother home and make a woman out of her, kid. You keep your mouth shut. I'm talking to you, kid. I'm going to make your mother go, woo, woo, woo. All two. Armbar. Oh, what is he oh doing? Oh, my God. Is he the third man? He's the third man. What oh. the hell is going on here? Hulk Hogan has betrayed WCW. That's why I made this match with Judy Bagwell on a pole match. Pole three. The moss-covered, three-handled family grenadzo. Well, I don't know why you don't want to cut my hair, Eddie. You won! This place only left when he picks him up. He's got him up! From time to time, I'm gonna pop in when you least expect it. I got two hundred more holes to lift. Hey, let me tell you who doesn't give a shit about this company. That goddamn politician, Hulk Hogan. Because let me tell you people what happened out here in this ring tonight. All day long, I'm playing politics with Hulk Hogan because Hulk Hogan tonight wants to play his creative control card. And to Hulk Hogan, that meant that tonight in the middle of this ring, when he knew it was bullshit, he beats Jeff Jarrett. Well, guess what? Hogan got his wish. Hogan got his belt and he went the hell home. And I promise everybody or else I'll go in the goddamn grave. You will never see that piece of shit again. Bash at the Beach 2000, the seventh and the final Bash at the Beach produced by World Championship Wrestling, taking place Sunday, July 9th the year 2000 uh, at the Ocean Centre in Daytona Beach, Florida. It's the 20th anniversary of Bash at the Beach 2000 and some wrestling fans call this the beginning of the downfall of World Championship Wrestling. I'm a little bit debatable on that, but it definitely is one of the most controversial pay-per-views, wrestling pay-per-views of that era. I guess you could probably say second to the Montreal Screwjob. And here to help me do a retrospective on Bash at the Beach 2000, Simon Tackler, hello. Hello. July 2000, what was a young Simon Tackler doing? Wow, July 2000. So my birthday is in July. So this would have been a few weeks before my 13th birthday. So I was becoming a man. That's what I was doing. <laughs> oh, I mean, because I think I would have been in primary school, year five, I think would have been roughly about 11 years old or 12. Didn't see this event live, but uh, I was realistically probably a year behind on the WCW front uh, as I oh, was wow. hiring VHSs, as they were called, uh, from the video store. 
you know, I think Video Easy at King Cumber was my local, doing the, the monthly pay-per-views from there. Obviously didn't have box teller and things to sort of keep up with the, the nitros or the roars, the Monday night wars that were happening. So I was rather behind, but I think by this time I was kind of a bit of a lapsed WCW fan. I originally started with WCW because I was a massive Sting fan, but I think if you go to the pay-per-view before this, which was the Great American Bash, Sting was set on fire and I think I kind of threw my hands up in the air being like, what, you've just killed my favourite wrestler, that's it, I'm done. And I think from there on in I was more of a WWF guy. Yeah, and I can understand that because in 2000, WCW couldn't touch the WWF. A lot of people argue that's the WWE's best year overall creatively and in the ring and yeah, WCW couldn't compete at all. For some reason, I was given this pay-per-view for free, though. So I did watch it, even though I would never order WCW pay-per-views normally. And so was that a regular thing with you? Like you would do the WWF, but you wouldn't do WCW? Yeah. So we would, you know, order the WWE pay-per-views once they became available. WCW, we'd skip them. You know, it was already a joke by this point. You know, we would only watch it out of habit and just roll our eyes, even at that young age, me and my brother. But for some reason... This was added to our like pay-per-view list or however it worked back then. And we just thought, okay, they're giving it to us for free. So we watched this and we're very confused. Well, that was going to be my next question. I mean, uh, what was your takeaway from watching this? Uh, Obviously, given when you talk about Bash of the Beach 2000, it's obviously the Russo, Hogan, Bischoff, Jarrett debacle. Um, Not so much Booker T winning the championship. I mean, we'll get to that, but I mean... What was your takeaway as a young kid? Here's the thing. Even though I was really young, so, yeah, I was like 12. My brother would have been 14. Um, You know, we didn't really have access to the internet readily available to, like, check dirt sheets every day or whatever. We didn't even have a computer at the time. But could have got uh, Dave Meltzer's um, paperback. (laughs) The newsletter. (laughs) Could have subscribed. But here's the thing. By that point, because wrestling was so big, wrestling with shadows and beyond the mat, Uh, were available from our video easy. So we had watched these documentaries that sort of gave a behind-the-scenes look. We understood the Montreal Screwjob. And we sort of understood, you know, Vince Russo being this the booker, quote-unquote, and the writer. Mm. So when we saw what happened with Hulk Hogan at the end of the show, we did think, oh, is this real? But, like, the question was there. We didn't think, oh, my God, this is 100% real. The question was already there even at that time because... WWE had already recreated the Montreal Screwjob as a storyline at Survivor Series 98. So we just thought this was another storyline, to be honest. And it was only when the news came out that Hulk Hogan was never returning and that he was suing them Mm. that we realized, oh, no, this was real. It wasn't a a work shoot, blah, blah, blah. It was a work that turned into a shoot, that turned into a lawsuit that lives on forever for some reason. Don't work yourself into a shoot, brother, as the uh, great man says. <laughs> Sting fan, love, absolutely love Sting. I think it was Fall Brawl 99. He turns heel on Hulk Hogan, funny enough. And the return match at Halloween Havoc, Hulk Hogan returns, but he's in street clothes and just lies down for Sting. And this was the first time that we had seen a man lying down, you know, just basically, yeah, just pinned me and Hulk Hogan was out of there. So I guess it wasn't completely unheard of or unseen to the WCW audience when Jeff Jarrett basically just laid down for one Hulk Hogan. We and we the- had seen the, the finger poke of doom a couple mm. of years before, which again, Hulk Hogan was involved in that too. So 
there was a lot of reasons for fans to be skeptical that it was real. Now, we heard at the top of the segment here, part of the, I guess, quote-unquote promo that Vince Russo would cut after Jeff Jarrett lying down and Hulk Hogan pinning him and basically then getting out of the building. Uh, Vince Russo comes back and uh, cuts a pretty scathing promo, as it's called. But uh, I guess uh, more recently, Vince Russo has been pretty consistent with, uh, I, in my opinion, uh, with what uh, as exactly went down this night. And this is when he was speaking to uh, Sean Oliver from Kayfabe Commentaries. Apparently it all started with making Booker T the WCW champion. We had a creative meeting and there was, it was, it was a full house that day. There was probably eight to 10 people. Okay. And I remember, you know, sitting there saying, if we would put the belt on anybody in the company who would it be unanimous around the table booker t so now i write the pay-per-view johnny ace has to present it to hogan johnny ace reports back to me hogan hates it okay no problem i say to myself you're not winning the belt so now i doubled the chaos i mean he he was king kong he was gonna slay the world okay Johnny Ace presents it to him. I get a call back from Johnny Ace. Hogan read the script. He's good with it. We're good to go. This is Friday. It's pay-per-view Sunday. Mm. We're good to go. Okay, no problem. Everybody's happy. Walk into the pay-per-view that day. A couple of hours pass. Eric comes up to me. Vince, you've got to go in the trailer and talk to Hogan. He's not going to do the match. And I'm like, what? two days ago, I got a call from Johnny Ace that he agreed to do this match. What are you talking about? Now, what I found out later through depositions and whatnot is very late on Friday, Hogan's attorney sent the facts to the office, because remember, Hulk had control, creative control, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sent the facts to the office after hours that Hogan wasn't going to do the match. So that fax comes into the office. Nobody's at the office to get the fax. So now I've got to go into the trailer and talk to Hogan, and I get the old, this doesn't work for me, brother. So I'm like, okay, Hulk, what works for you? So his exact words to me were, well, brother, if this is real, if this were really real, this, that, and the other thing would happen, and again, he leaves with the, he'd win the belt. Now, keep in mind, while he's pitching me, in my mind, I'm saying, you're not leaving with the belt. I'm thinking on my feet. I use his words back on him. I said, if this were real, you want to know how this thing would really work? And he goes, how? And I said, I'll tell you how this was really, would really work. I come into your trailer. You tell me that, you know, you're not going to do the job for Jeff Jarrett and you want to go over in the match and you want to win the belt. From the trailer, I, if this were real Hulk, now this is what would happen. I would go to Jeff and I would say, Jeff, I'm sorry. He doesn't want to do the job for you. We have to put him over. I said, Jeff Jarrett is going to be pissed. Jeff Jarrett is going to cut a promo. Jeff Jarrett is going to be inspired. So I said, and you know what I would do, Hulk? I would say, you know what, Jeff? You're right. Screw him. 
I said, lay down in the middle of the ring. Let him freaking cover you. One, two, three. Let's stick it up his backside. Let him win the belt that way. That's what would really happen, bro. You, if you want to know, you know, what's real, brother, that's real. I swear to you, while I'm laying this out to him, his eyes are getting wider and wider like, oh, that's good, that's good, that's good, okay? I say to him, Hulk, you, you know, we, we do the thing with Jeff. I said, now you and Eric have to leave the building in a huff, cutting a promo on me to all the boys in the back. That son of a bitch. Ba, 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 ba. You have to leave the building because I have to go back out to the ring later on and cut a scathing promo on you. If you're in the building, you'd come out and kill me. <laughs> so as a shoot, you guys got to leave. I cut a scathing promo on you telling you, screw you, take your belt, go home, the whole nine yards, and booking the match with Jeff and Booker for the title. Booker leaves with the belt. From what I'm thinking, we're all on the same page. After the match, okay, I'm getting all the comments of what everybody is saying on the internet. Russo finally put Hogan in his place. Here's where I made a mistake. When Hulk said to me, yeah, then I'll have a belt, Booker, I'll have a belt. I said, I said yeah, we, you know, we, we, we can discuss that later. I said to Hulk, I'll call you tomorrow. We had a show the next day, okay? We, we, you know, because we had, you know, Nitro and then Thunder. Mm -hmm. We had a show the next day. I didn't call Hulk the next day. Now, Hulk's sitting at home reading all this crap. Russo finally put Hogan in his place. Now, Hulk's, Hulk's thinking, I got one up on him because I, I told him I would call and I didn't call, mm -hmm. okay? But the reason why I didn't call was I met with um, Brad Siegel, who, and Brad Siegel said, Vince, don't call him. We can't afford to put Hulk on the show. Now you've heard that there, and you've also heard the actual promo that he cut on the night at Bash of the Beach, where he calls Hulk Hogan a piece of shit. I mean, drops the S-bomb uh, quite a fair few times. And I mean, this was, I guess, language that the wrestling audience wasn't really accustomed to. Maybe there was the odd kick, I'm going to kick your ass, or that type of stuff. But dropping like the S-bombs and the occasional F-bomb, this was very unheard of. And I guess that's the reason why, ooh, is this real? Is this not real? Is this a real shoot or, you know, just a wrestling promo? But do you think, I guess, sort of knowing the full story, if Vince Russo didn't go back out and cut that promo, would there have been a lawsuit or would there have been as big as an issue that there is? No, I don't think so because I, I think Hulk Hogan explained it in his book and he's explained it in interviews. And for the most part, his story is consistent. But he thought it was a storyline and he was good to go along with it. And him and Bischoff, you know, left the arena as part of the story. But it's only that when they heard what Russo said in the promo that it was, that was a step too far. Mm. And I, 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 honestly, though, as a promo, a standalone promo, it's great. Vince Russo deserves credit for that promo. Isolated, it's very, very good. Yeah. 
But Vince Russo said, look, I'm going to go out and cut a promo. But then there's some stories where Bischoff and Hogan didn't know there was going to be a promo cut or they only knew about the lying down part. And that's where I guess where there was uh, so much confusion. But, I mean, Vince Russo, I guess you could say, was the quote-unquote authority figure for the year 2000 WCWs. You know, well, actually, that's not completely true. You had Cat the Ernest uh, Miller, who was the quote-unquote commissioner, maybe if you had the cat who rebooked the match between Jeff Jarrett and Booker T for the WCW title, that may have been a bit more smooth sailing. But I guess we've, if you want this to be real, brother, Vince Russo had to cut the promo. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen so much of that ever since, you know, versions of that, like, ooh, you know, it's real because, you know, this person is here. So... I think it helped the story. I think Hulk Hogan was being a little bit sensitive. I don't think it was worth leaving for. But, hey, you know what? He won the settlement, so good for him. Actually, weren't the settlements thrown out? Or were they individual ones against Vince Russo, not WCW? See, I thought he did get money from WCW or, like, he wasn't in breach of contract for never returning. I feel like it definitely helped Hulk Hogan in some way. Well, this is going to bring me to my next point because I've, I've got the grab here of uh, Eric Bischoff, you know, quickly doing his recollection of uh, Bash of the Beach 2000. And I had asked everyone to hold off on the production meeting until I got there and that I would be in at approximately the time I got in. Well, I got to the building and I walked in and the production meeting was already taking place. That was my first red flag. And then, of course, pulled everybody out of the meeting and or Vince and everybody and said, what are we doing here? And Vince had his idea of what he wanted to do. And I had my idea of what I wanted to do. And Hulk and, Hulk and I had our idea of what we wanted to do. And we'd already talked to Brad Siegel about it. And that was the way the situation, that was the, the process. You know, Vince could come up with ideas, but we had to both agree. And if we didn't, then Brad Siegel was the tiebreaker. And it involved Hulk and Hulk had creative control. So, pulled Vince aside and we started talking and Hulk got involved and Vince kind of drew a line in the sand and, and I was happy that he did. And I said, okay, great. Let's go into the, uh, let's go into the trailer, get on the phone. We'll call Brad Siegel. We'll see what we're going to do. Call Brad Siegel, laid everything out. Vince laid everything out. Brad said, Vince, you're going to go, you're going to do what Eric and Hulk want to do. It involved Hulk leaving the building with the belt. Okay. Because the idea I remember specifically how it was supposed to end. But the idea was that Hulk was going to quit, leave with the belt. We were going to create a, okay, we've got to create a new champion. It was going to be a heel that comes out at Halloween Havoc. And instead of having that match with the heel, that's when Hulk, uh, the heel and whatever the baby face was, Hulk was going to be like, uh-uh-uh-uh, as a surprise. Right. And we're going to do that match. So that, that was some version of that, more finely tuned, but that was the idea. And everybody liked that. After having had the conflict with, with Vince, after having had the conference call with the president of the network, we all agreed what we were going to do. Part of that storyline was when Hulk got pissed off and left, he left the building and I left with him. And we did. And we got into a car and then we got into a, a plane, a private jet. And we were flying home because we had laid everything out the way we wanted it laid out for the most part. And we did our job. Our job was to get the car and leave the building. We right. wanted people to believe it was real. By the time we landed in Tampa, which was uh, about an 18-minute flight, 
By the time we landed, our phones were blowing up because Russo grabbed the microphone and went into business for himself, which was not a part of the script whatsoever. And then that's when the wheels completely fell off. Obviously, the, the lawsuit with Hulk Hogan and WCW is the big thing to come from this. Now, I would have to do a little bit more research, but I know this, uh, there is evidence out there that there was two different uh, cases or there was two different, I guess, Hulk Hogan appealed the first one when it was thrown out and both of them were thrown out. Now, I'm not sure that's just to Vince Russo as an individual as opposed to WCW, the company, because the point I was going to raise was, and Eric Bischoff brings this up, a lot of time on his podcast with 83 weeks that WCW legal or the Turner department in legal, I'm guessing it was AOL at this time, but regardless, anything that came with a legal ramification, they were quickly just to throw money at it and settle. So potentially that's where Hogan got some of the dollary dues. Well, maybe that was their play. How do we know this wasn't a big setup with Hogan and Bischoff telling Russo, say whatever you want, be as vicious as you want, but knowing in their minds, no, we're, we're going to say we didn't approve it and then they'd get some money because of that. Well, I'm happy you said that because, I mean, you know, uh, if, we're, if we're working in a work, shoot, shoot, work, work, brother, I mean, uh, that could kind of make sense. And, I mean, not necessarily saying that's the case, but it does sort of, the question could be raised that that might have been a ploy. Yeah, and they played Russo in the end because if anyone could do that. feels like Hulk Hogan's the guy who would manipulate the situation to be in that uh, position because the best alibi, and wow, we're sort of like really getting into the weeds, but they've got the alibi of like, no, we left the, we left the arena. He said these things on his own accord. We didn't approve that. While doing research, uh, I found on the uh, website IGN, um, they sort of talking about uh, Hulk Hogan and the Vince Russo with the suing WCW. So, there could be a lot more to Hogan, the Hogan-Russo situation from Bash at the Beach uh, than meets the eye. The Atlanta Journal run in a story today on Hogan's lawsuit against WCW. Hogan, Hogan's Atlanta lawyer, John Taylor, is quoted in saying, it wasn't part of the script. This is a real lawsuit. What Russo said was defamatory and breach of contract. The lawsuit claims that Russo uh, shoot placed Hogan in false light, uh, damaging his character and his image. WCW apparently declined to comment on the lawsuit when uh, contacted by the journal, but they're saying that such lawsuits uh, would present a unique legal situation if it ever got to court, which it did, and apparently got thrown out twice. Hence why I sort of said, I'm not sure if there was individual cases against Vince Russo um, and WCW, and in what you're sort of saying, if WCW would be willing to, to throw money at it. But... PW Torch, uh, Wade Keller, they sort of touched on it as well, saying uh, it's interesting points that this situation, saying Hogan's legal attorney said they would not throw away their reputation for a fake lawsuit. So saying they're not going to do a a lawsuit um, if it wasn't real. So uh, it seems likely that uh, these events at Bash of the Beach uh, began as a work, but then all three figures were in on. Uh, then turned into a shoot when Russo returned to cut his promo. Uh, Hogan's lawyer claimed that uh, that's how it happens, while Russo has openly called it a shoot on TV and in interviews conducted on WCW internet audio show. That being said, however, most events slash angles in pro wrestling that are referred to as shoots, essentially it's the Hulk Hogan thing saying, don't work yourself into a shoot, brother. So I think that's, I don't know if that's his exact words to, to his attorneys or his lawyers, but it was an absolute mess. Yeah, and I don't think the um, payoff was worth it in the end either. Like, I know Vince Russo now spins it into saying, 
well, it was all about making Booker T the champion and Booker T was very deserving and, you know, is a legend in his own right. But I feel like it was overshadowed by the promo, by the Hulk Hogan controversy that it didn't feel earned, quote unquote, you know? Because I know Booker T, he said on numerous occasions and got a quick audio uh, bite here where he basically uh, praises and thanks Vince Russo that he's the guy who, quote unquote, pulled the trigger with him. I said that if it wasn't for Vince Russo, perhaps I would have never been the world champion at all, ever. Um, because, you know, you got to be in the right place at the right time. Not only that, the cosmos got to be working for you. Um, and for me, I had someone like uh, Vince Russo to pull the trigger. Because if it, if it wasn't for Vince Russo pulling the trigger when he did... The company was in its in its down downfall. If someone else would have, you know, held the title that night, say for instance, Hogan um, went on for the next six months, it probably would have dropped to someone else, uh, and then the company would have gotten bought out um, a, a year later. It, and I wouldn't, you know, and then I would have went to WWE. But who knows if I would have became champion in WWE? Right. Uh, the rocket got put on me that night, and you know, everything had to be right. It put me in a in that position where you say, "Man, crashing that glass ceiling." Once you crash uh, cra crash the glass ceiling, boom, you there. Uh, once you're a made man, when you're in the mafia, right? You know, and you become a made man, you made. So for me, that, like I say, was my legitimizer as far as saying, "Man, this guy, he's a top guy. He's a top guy now." He has to be looked at as a top guy. But but then again, I had to go out there and play my part also. I had to go out there and deliver. I had and to go be a top guy. I had to go out there and be the world champion. Great. Booker T becomes WCW champion, and that gives him better stock when the company is purchased by then WWF and Vince McMahon in March 2001, I think it is. Say if he didn't become champion, would he, would he just been one of the lower tier guys that really didn't eventuate to anything or was he always going to be talented enough to become champion in WWE? See, that's a great point. Looking at it long-term for Booker T, it definitely would have helped the fact that he was the final WCW champ. Like he was the champ going into the last Nitro and would he have been a main eventer without that Vince Russo, you know, quote unquote, push it, bash at the beach. Maybe he is really the only winner out of this. Vince mm. Russo came out looking... Not great. A lot of fans rolled their eyes saying another shooty work thing from Russo. You know, Hogan looked like a big baby for leaving. Yeah, I guess Booker T is the only winner here. Maybe long-term it paid off. And also, not everything Russo did was bad. Pushing guys like Booker T, Steiner, Jeff Jarrett, it was definitely at least trying to move things forward for WCW. But does this whole fiasco or controversy, does that overshadow uh, Booker T's uh, title win? Yeah, well, that's sort of where I'm torn because I think on the night it definitely does, even though he won and he is, you know, the champ as the show goes off the air. Everyone was only talking about the Russo-Hogan situation, but it did lead into Booker T becoming a five-time champ five by time. the time five WCW time. was done. Five time. Which is wild because how many time champ is Jeff Jarrett? I think he's the real winner of the uh, Russo era of WCW. He was a, a more of a longer reigning WCW champion, wasn't he? 
I honestly don't think he was. I think it was the time when everyone had like two week title reigns. It was insane. Yeah, Jeff so Jarrett is a like four time WCW champ. Like that's yeah, wild. But David Arquette, the most important WCW champion uh, in that era, <laughs> or, or even Vince Russo was WCW champion. Uh, it was a strange time. I think they broke the record in the year two thousand. Um, the W, where is, I've got the stat here. I just wanted to try and find it, but. 25 times in one year. WCW. Yeah. It's a lot of champs. Uh, it is. And I guess, would you say that the Bash of the Beach, is that the beginning of the downfall or that was just part of the eventual downfall of WCW? Well, I, I've been re-watching the whole Monday Night Wars. I started when the network came out. You know, I started back at like 95. I'm all the way into 99 now. And I've given up on watching Nitro. I can't watch it anymore. By 99, that show, because it's still three hours long, it's before it went back to two hours, three hours of Nitro in 99 is an absolute struggle to get through. For the second time in my life, I'm giving up on WCW. Well, I've just created a Twitter account called WCW Gold where I'm revisiting the uh, the very worst and very best of WCW, so maybe that might be short-lived as well. <laughs> You're cherry-picking, though. If you cherry-pick, you'll definitely find great shows and great matches. Don't try and do it chronologically because I can't imagine yeah, anyone watching it without at least the nostalgia that I have, so don't do it. I guess um, as a pay-per-view and I guess as controversy goes, does it still hold up or is it sort of one of those things, yeah, it happened, was good in some parts, bad in others, but I don't know. Here's where I'll sort of like contradict myself. As bad as Nitro gets in 99, I'm looking forward to the Vince Russo era Mm. because at the very least, things happened on those shows. Yeah. You know, the pay-per-views are weird, strange gimmick matches, work shoots, you never knew what was gonna, you know, what was gonna happen, and it wasn't predictable, which is a huge change compared to what we've seen over the past few years in mainstream wrestling. So I tell you what, if you're uh, bored over the weekend and you want to watch uh, some WCW, one of their pay per views uh, from any uh, from any sort of um, era, I guess. Uh, most notably the Monday Night Wars era. But, you know, uh, if you want to indulge in a couple of uh, adult beverages or uh, potentially uh, anything else, I'll tell you what, WCW 2000 is a riot. <laughs> yeah, that is that is the uh, best way to enjoy old school Vince Russo WCW under the influence. Thank you very much, Simon Tackler. He is one half of the Wide World of Wrestling podcast. Uh, what's going on over there with you guys? Well, the show is going along every week. We're talking about wrestling as well, talking about what's going on. Just been picked up by the Ozcast Network, so you can congratulations. Find, yeah, you can find the Wide World of Wrestling there on all of their um, uh, outlets. You know, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and we're also doing a um, a bi-weekly show as well, reliving the war, sort of like yourself, going back in time where. Nims Azura and myself are looking back at every WCW and WWF pay-per-view from that era mm. and sort of seeing if they still hold up. It's going to take a long time to get through them all. That's always the big question. Like, you know, we're just talking about uh, Bash of the Beach 2000 and you going back to the Monday Night War era with those pay-per-views. Some of them do hold up and some of them, even on the WWF side, uh, not so much. Yeah, well, so far we've done one from each brand or promotion 
Uh, Bash at the Beach 96, even though it's the night the NWO is formed, even though that moment is great, that show is a bit of a struggle to get through. Mm. Whereas on the WWF side, we uh, reviewed King of the Ring 96. Mm. And while it's most known just for the Austin 316 promo, as a whole, it's a fun show. And that one still holds up. So, yeah, it's not always the ones you'd expect or the most noteworthy. You had the likes of Pillman. Uh, he's making his debut there at the WWF. Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts um, when he was doing his whole uh, religious religious. Gimmick. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on on that show, but at the very least, and it's what the WWF always had, a great main event. And that night, it's Shawn Michaels versus the British Bulldog in an absolute classic. So, yeah. Was Vince McMahon commentating that event? He was, and he's underrated. I know he gets made fun of now. <laughs> But because he owns the company, he cares more about it, you know? And he's trying his hardest to get everything over. And you contrast that to commentators who I won't name who are working right now who sound like they don't care about anything or they sound like it's all scripted. Vince McMahon cared about every manoeuvre that he called. What a manoeuvre. One, two, he got, he got, he got, he did it. That's uh, definitely uh, my fave. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. But even um, commentators today, they do Vince McMahon one, two, three counts when they're only two counts. Yeah, they do. They sort of do. That must be a thing he loves, so he's always telling him to do that. Do that. Hey, pal, you know what the make him pop? Count to three, <laughs> even though it's only two. <laughs> yeah, and, and actually, I think it's Excalibur on AEW has started using unbelievable, like the Vince McMahon style call. So, hey, don't sleep on Vince the commentator. Look, just putting out here, WWE owns AEW. It's all a work, bro. <laughs> yeah, that, that is one of Vince's hints. He's like, say unbelievable. Simon Tackler, thank you so much. Like I said, we always say uh, not to uh, have too long between drinks uh, when chatting. So uh, we'll have to organise another time to get on the show and talk wrestling. But until next time, you take care, especially down in Victoria where uh, we're trying to get this COVID situation um, sorted out. But uh, take care and uh, I guess keep watching wrestling while you're in lockdown. Cheers, mate. That's all I'm going to be doing and we'll talk soon. Wrestling Source Radio.